Welcome to Save Six Figures with Gina Knox, the podcast where I coach you on how to save $100,000 by optimizing your cash flow. Hello, savers, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to share with you part two of my conversation with DL Sharon about money, mindset, business, all of the things. These two episodes combined are literally a whole masterclass on money. And so I was joking in part one, you're probably going to have to listen to these like four times to extract all the juicy goodness out of them. I know I'm going to be re-listening to them over and over again because it's just so, so good. So I hope you guys enjoy this part two. We are going to be talking about retirement money decisions with your partner or your spouse, taxes, so many good things. So stick around. I'm not going to talk too much. I'll let you go in and listen. If you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate it if you shared with your social media following. You can tag me at Gina Knox, tag DL at DL Sharon. Um, Let me know what you think. I cannot wait for you to hear it. Okay, I'm going to shut up now. Enjoy part two. quickly want to talk about retirement because you, Gina, really clarified retirement for me. I had lots of thoughts, lots and lots of thoughts. The main one being like, I remember, you know, you hear mainly white people talk about retirement. Like my grandparents don't have retirement. My, I don't even think my parents, I think my parents, they talk more about social security than retirement, right? Which that's literally political right and like there's an intentional reason why like people of color will talk more about and value social security over retirement for dozens and dozens of reasons right and I just remember thinking like oh retirement is not my money like they take it and then it's gone right Gina's laughing but like I literally thought this like oh and it was 100% from my Duke days where I remember meeting with the retirement people and they're like, do you want to set something up? And I was just like, I don't have anything to give you. Like you're going to take that money and I'm already living paycheck to paycheck. And so I just took that mindset in my business. And I think one of the things you really helped me with Gina was like, no, that's your money (laughs) and it's going to grow. And like, even though something, this was the the part that kind of like fucked with me a little bit, even like, <laughs> even though they are taking that money, it's a withdrawal, which my brain would think that's a deficit. It's actually an asset because you're putting in, you're putting it into the thing, the portfolio. And like, also legally it is yours. And a lot of people get caught up in like, well, I can't use it. Right. It's, it's locked away. There's even ways around that. Like if you really needed it, is there. You can take a loan from your 401k. Did you know that? You can take a loan and then you just have to pay yourself back. There's law like laws around it. There's loopholes. You can take money from an IRA to buy your first house penalty free. There's so many ways. It is actually your money. Like legally. <laughs> but it is funny like this idea that it's gone and I don't have access to it and therefore like it has been taken. But yeah, there is something I want to touch on the idea of the asset and it grows. Y'all. Okay. I have somewhere north of $250,000 in my retirement accounts. Okay. I don't know the exact number right now. And I'm not contributing anymore to it. So I'm not putting any more money in. It's just sitting there and I have uh, 29, 30, 39 years, some crazy amount of years until my retirement. If I just let it sit there invested in the market, my projections put it at a value of $10 million at 65. Can we talk about passive income for a second? Your course is not passive income. Your, your real estate is not passive income. This is passive income. I'm literally not touch. I'm there's no work. So it, it, it is like this, it's my money. And also it's an asset and an entity even in and of itself. Like it is an entity. It's not just 
the sum of 250,000 individual dollar bills, it's an entity that's growing, which kind of is like your program. It's an entity that at a certain point starts growing without you. I'm sure you have recognized that in freedom, right? Like you're not making every individual sale anymore. It is churning and going. Same with retirement. It sits there and it it starts taking on a mind of its own in like a positive way. And yes, like right now, for example, the market is down and my investments are down. But going back to what we said at the beginning, but I'm not worried about it because I'm already acting as if it's already 10 million because I know it will be. And that's like, I don't know. I feel like I show up differently with that knowledge. Like, yeah, but if anything, I have 10 million at 65. So this business fails or if this offer fails or if I need to get a nine to five again, like whatever, I can, I can handle it. I can figure it out. There's something, there's something in there. And like, I would a hundred percent see people like, how are they thinking like that? (laughs) Right? Like I can 100% see that. What? There is a level of trust and there is just also a level of safety that we have both that we both feel when it comes to money. And I think it can read as uh, whimsical or like hopeful or like unicorn and pixie dust, right? Like, like no, they can do it. Right. Because of something, not me. Right. Exactly. And I think a part of it too is just realizing like how, what is the alternative than to think like this, right? Like, do, like, do you want to feel so stressed? Do you want to feel this? And I want to be clear when it comes to our nervous systems, when it comes to like um, racial injustice, when it comes to so many things, it may not be a choice, right? It might be ingrained in you to feel a certain way, right? But I would say it's worth the journey of untethering that. Like I've had to untether that. Gina's had to untether that, right? Like untethering the ways that we were taught about money or the ways that we were just set up to think about money that served as a survival mechanism, right? And it's like, wait, but this is how I was able to, I was living paycheck to paycheck, but at least this is how I was able to pay my bills. What do you mean think of it in a different way? I would say it's worth the untethering and the questioning and the dreaming and the allowing and like the nervous system regulating to do it this way. And so I just also just want to name that. And I did just want, like, we talked about so many things here. I hear my client's voice like, but wait, debt, investment, spending. We didn't even talk about taxes. Okay, so we have to talk about taxes. And both Gina have, we we have like our hands on our heads, like we're stressed, like, and we're not stressed because taxes stress us out. Questions about taxes stress us out. Here's always been my philosophy on taxes. You have either surprise, like people are like, oh, I have a big tax bill. I'm like, no, 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 no. You have a surprise tax bill. You have an unplanned tax bill. Tax Taxes are math. That's it. It's just It's math. actually really simple. Not really simple. For- no, I'm going to say it. It's The calculation is very, very simple. Yeah. If you wanted to, you could figure it out ahead of time. I know exactly to the dollar how much taxes I'm going to owe. Yeah. Because it's just a calculation. And like, I know how to use spreadsheets and shit, but anyways, keep going. No, no, that's it, right? Like, and I always tell my clients, this, like around March and April, I brace myself. I'm like, all right, it's coming, right? And I'm trying to get ahead of it with them. But it's like, no, 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 there's no such thing as a high tax bill. There's only a tax bill that was just unplanned or a surprise. So it's like the difference between high taxes and surprise taxes. That's how I teach it. And Taxes are just a a calculation. They're just a formula, right? And you've always had these numbers. It's just, were you planning for them? Did you have the conversations for them? Was there a plan for the taxes? That's how I always approach taxes. Like this year, I'm cleanly saving uh, close to six figures for taxes. 
like, oh yeah, I'm just saving six figures for taxes. And like, I have somebody, I have an accountant where every single month she's like, okay, this is where we're looking at for taxes. It's an active conversation. It's not avoidant. It's not scary. The more that I know, the more that I actually feel more peace, right? I think what comes into play is like when people, people are even afraid. And I remember, oh, this is a whole other thing. I'm going to say this. And then I want to hear your thoughts. Like hiring accountants. I don't think we've ever talked about this on like when you should hire an accountant, when you shouldn't. I, I remember hiring an accountant right under 100 K and being petrified and having so much shame that somebody else was seeing my numbers. That is such a thing. Yeah. Like, oh my God. And like, it's kind of like cleaning your house before the housekeeper comes. I do it every time (laughs) you want to like clean it up and then you want to be apologetic. Like, I'm sorry. It's so dirty. Meanwhile, that's their job. (laughs) Right. It's the same thing. Yeah. I think like, and you know, Yahi has, Yahi is my CFO. She has had some conversations like, okay, DL, we don't, you know, with this live event, her eyebrows a little raised at me. I'm like, Yahi, when have I been wrong? My friend. We've always been fine. Like, like that's always my energy, right? And it, it's like one of those really uncomfortable moments. Like I remember sweating bullets right before our first call. And then afterwards I got through it and I was like, okay. She told me some things to clean up. She said, let's reorganize some bank accounts. She, accountants are actually the most logical people I've ever met borderline emotionalist so that actually helped right like here i was oh no you have a different no they legit are like the most buttoned up people right ever i used to work at quickbooks for five years and we had this event called quickbooks connect it was like the premier accounting conference in the industry wow and just as like a very side note i cannot tell you the amount of joy seeing the closing party a huge group of like 300 accountants and bookkeepers all drunk dancing to the cha-cha slide. It was one of the (laughs) highlights of my life because I'm like, look at these people who won't even laugh at a joke Mm. all dancing to the cha. It was incredible. It was euphoria. I (laughs) bet they're super logical. And like, I think a lot of accountants are really deeply problem solvers who just want to help you. Like Mm. they just want to nerd out on taxes. And sometimes you're like, it's too much. Like you do it, but they just want to I just want to talk to you about taxes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think like, I don't know. I'm thinking about this one particular client who was so avoidant with her finances because it just caused so much shame. And then of course she got slapped with this major tax bill at the end of the year. And then she was like, then it caught co- that caused more pain, right? Than sitting through the temporary discomfort of getting help so that you actually have the the things. And I would say too, like my main thought was, oh, I couldn't afford it. Yahi was literally like in the most basic package, like right under a hundred K it was only $300 a month. I was like, I pay coaches more than this. I pay my podcast editor more than this. Like it pays itself to have that yeah. help. Um, QuickBooks had done a survey using the data that they have within QuickBooks, which is like, you know, most small businesses are on QuickBooks that showed that businesses that got an accountant in their first year had in like 50% or more better chance of surviving past the five-year mark. Wow. It was just like some correlation in the first year. If you got yeah, an accountant early. in the first year. Yeah. Early. Because what they do is they set you up correctly yeah. from the jump versus cleaning up, cleaning up. If, if you've missed a couple tax years, it can be really expensive and a headache. And yeah, it it was really interesting that they found that correlation. I I love me a accountant, a bookkeeper. It's a really low cost for team member that, yeah, that can be super helpful. I want to talk about avoidance for a second though. Yeah. Cause well, I want to hear, what is your philosophy on taxes? Then let's talk about avoidance. Oh, uh, I don't know. Just <laughs> isn't that funny? Like, I'm like, ah, so I do, I don't do my own taxes, but I calculate all my own taxes because I'm a money person, right? I don't mm-hmm. expect that my clients do that. 
my philosophy is like, keep up with your bookkeeping every month so that you know your estimate, like what you and Yahi do so that you put the per, like right amount into savings, whether you pay quarterly or not. Honestly, it's kind of like a personal decision. I know there's penalties, but I'm still going to view it as a personal decision and just like make sure that every month you're sticking a little bit away. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, I just, I think to this morning, I just put some cash into my, in my tax savings account and it doesn't hurt as much because it's already away before you have a chance to spend it versus sure. it kind of hurts when you spend it and then you have to make it up. Right. Or you that have to can, be on a payment plan. Yeah. It can just be, it, it's not even so much a financial burden as much as it can be like an emotional drag to Yeah, to like do that. And then it feels like you resent it. I right. love taxes. The higher my tax bill, the better, because that means I made a lot of money. <laughs> and I, I kind of hate this like tax deduction optimization. Yeah. Oh chasing. my God. It's such a thing. Like, how do I, I look, get your deductions, get an accountant to help you with the big boulders to make sure you're not leaving like thousands of dollars yeah. on the table. But why are we spending hours thinking about pennies? It is yeah. such a waste of our time. Why are you spending your money on shit you don't need for the deduction that's not even worth the thing you bought? Right. I'm like, you guys, come on. Come on. It was so funny. Like, you know, Yahi has this fill out this form with like, um, you know, the COVID deductions and the da, 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 all these different things. And I was filling it out like, oh, we're going to get so much off we put significant numbers down and it didn't even move the needle. I think we got like $5,000 off and she covered everything. And that was so like aware, like DL just like, that's not even a good use of time. I think when you get to like the multi-million, then there's like strategy, right? Then there's a, it's a completely different ball. But game. also at that point you hire a strategist, right? Right. 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 You're not like spending your time doing the book, even to make sure you get the $5,000 deduction. And they're typically knocking on your door versus you knocking on them. Right. Like, yeah, he's like, okay, DL, when you get to X, Y, Z, you're going to need a financial advice. I'm like, oh, I don't want what they're like. You're, they're going to be helpful. I'm like, Ugh. right. Like, it's not like, oh, I want to save every dollar. Right. Like the energy is completely different. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Why can't you just do? She was like, girl, I don't do that, right? Like, that's the energy. They will come knocking on your door versus you trying to hunt them down at that level, right? And so I think like that's also really important. Like, 100%. Again, every March and April, it's like, hey, somebody send me a tax book. I want to know more. It's like, it's that's only the other thing. I had a client recently ask me like, how do I learn the tax code? I'm like, what? Mm. no, you don't like, not to say don't be informed and don't be like, understand what your accountant says and don't let yeah. someone like, you know, pull the, pull the rug over your eyes. But the tax code is like books and books and books. It's thick. laws. And like, it's incredibly it's, complex yeah. in the sense that like your individual situation, the tax code gets applied in very unique ways. I'm right. like, there's entire people who go to law school for three years just to get a tax law degree just hire someone and then make sure you're asking questions to understand. But no, you don't learn the tech. Like that's just a waste of your time. Coming back to what DL does, like go out and earn more money instead of learning the tax code. <laughs> just go make more money. Making more money is a solution to not all, but several problems. A, lo several. a lot of things. Yeah. I think too, like, um, when it comes to like taxes, I had a client say like the taxes took all, she was actually in this really interesting situation where she was working full time. Right. And then she made, I would say 10,000 is probably a little less than that in her business. And she owed for the first time. And she was like, I felt like all of my business earnings just went to that. And I asked her, I said, did you owe because of your business or did you owe because of you changed jobs or like you had a big income jump or something happened with your situation? You paid off your student loans and so you no longer got that credit, right? Like, or whatever it is. Oh yeah, no, hire a professional and just let them do it. Okay. And like, ask good questions. If, if you don't understand, don't ever feel stupid for asking stupid questions because right. tax law is dense and you do want to understand, 
but, um, and know that like accountants are just nerds and they just yeah. want to help you save money and they're excited about it. Right. Like they're just yeah. excited about it. Um, tell me about avoidance. Gonna... Oh yeah. So avoidance. I, so many of my clients struggle with avoidance. Um, like, and I, my personal philosophy is that what happens is you get into an avoidance cycle and then at a certain point, at a certain time frame, maybe that's a week in, two weeks in, a month in, depending on you, you start feeling ashamed for feeling avoidant mm. because you're like, I know I should be doing the taxes. I know I should be doing the bookkeeping. I know I should be looking at the money. So then you start feeling shameful. And then that pushes the avoidance cycle even further. Yeah. So what I've been coaching my clients on is like, what if it's just normal that you go through avoidance cycles during the year? Mm. what if that's just part of like the circadian rhythm of your life mm. but when you feel ashamed for feeling avoidant you prolong the avoidant cycle what if instead you just like let yourself avoid until you felt ready to come back mm. and not like doubled the bad feelings by adding shame right. on top and I gave that that coaching to a client recently and like she just kind of stared at me <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she was like, whoa, that is what I'm doing. Like, I feel so bad for feeling bad that now I feel worse. Yeah. And like, it's, you know, like we're humans. We're always going to avoid things. I have an account that I need to update the mailing address on for the last six months. Have I done it? No, I'm in avoidance of it. Eventually I'm going to, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I find that that is really like, the thing that makes it worse, that exacerbates it. I love, see, so good. I love, love, love. Like, what if I'm just in an avoidant season and that's okay? And like, like knowing that the pendulum will swing the other way naturally. Like, what if we treated it kind of, I don't know about you, but in the winter, I want to sleep more and I want to mm -hmm. eat more calories. Like I want richer foods in the winter and I just want to mm -hmm. cuddle. And in the summer, I'm actually very, I don't eat very much in the summer because mm. it's hot and I'm like uncomfortable and I want to work a lot more in the summer. Mm. And I just kind of let that happen. What if we equated our avoidance cycles to the seasons in the that seasons. way? And they're like, yeah. Mm. And maybe it's not um, perfectly correlated with the actual seasons, but what if it's like your own unique season? Mm. I think the season mentality is a great tool in the, in the, in the money, in the money box that we're building. Like, I think that's really important. And yeah, I think I, I just love that. I'm like grappling with that. I think that's just absolutely brilliant. And what if like half the battle I find is like when people remove the shame with money, stuff literally starts to auto-correct. Like, I remember I was working with this client and she had so much shame around credit card debt, which we could talk about debt in a second, but had so much shame around credit card debt. And we cleaned that up. And then before I knew it, she was having 20K cash months, hired a whole accountant, was like living her best life, decided to change up her offers, was selling out her new offers, like so much cleaned up when she just removed shame, like, and we didn't have a conversation. I didn't give her this and I didn't give her that. Right. Like it wasn't anything, but literally stuff just like click, 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 like started auto correcting when we took the plug of shame off of the table. And so I just think like when people are like, yeah, yeah, DL, but what about a template? But what about, what about this, this strategy? <laughs> what about like, how am I actually supposed to? I'm like, can you just stop beating yourself up to begin with? Right. And like, I think like the seasons mentality is um, a really good way to conceptualize that. Like, oh, I don't need to shame myself. I can think of it like this instead. I think like that's a great way to conceptualize it. I think too, in terms of like the shame and like all the things clicking into place, do an audit how much emotional and mental energy are you spending thinking about money, thinking about how bad you feel about the debt or whatever it is. And if you, if that was literally just gone, imagine how much more energy, emotional, cognitive energy you can put to the other things like earning money, the things that are actually going to move the needle. But yeah, that like, it's almost like cl mental clutter. 
of like constantly thinking about the debt and always coming back to the debt. I call it a a, a virus, mm, right? Like yeah. I call it, like it's it starts off small and then it can take over and then there's not room for anything else. I realized that the debt could not jump out off the screen. Like it's it not going to choke you. <laughs> right. It couldn't get me, right? Like it couldn't attack me. How we think about debt is like, it's weighing me down. It's so heavy. It's all I think about. And it's like, it sounds so surface level, but really I realize, like, wait, this is just literally a number on the screen. And because my inch, my credit card and my student loan interest was so high, I was like, it is not even moving, right? Like it's just there. Right. And it's like every month here I am again. And I just really realized like, oh, it's not hurting me unless I tell it to hurt me. Right. And I think back on that moment that I shared where, you know, I told the credit card company, like I couldn't afford it. And the shame I felt, I was just like, but they're going to get their check next month. Like it's going to be okay. Like, and they're going to get it next month. And I realized like, you know, we've actually worked a lot on this. Like I just low key built my identity up as somebody who has debt and is okay with it. Like I had to get to that place and it sounds very drastic, but I had to get to the place of like, yes, I have debt and I'm, and I'm going to tell people about it. Like, it's not going to be a secret. It's not going to like consume me. Sure. I'm going to get declined or rejected for credit cards and new cards. And that's okay. I don't need that. I am somebody who has debt and like, just not necessarily claim your owning, but just being with that identity and redefining that that's not a bad place to be. Like I have debt, like that's okay. And now I've sold myself on having debt for so long. I'm having to unsell myself and be like, wait, who's the DL without student loans, right? Because my plan is to pay them off this year, right? And so like now I'm like, wait, but that's just, it goes to show like, how much I sold myself on being okay with the debt and not trying to like, how can I pay it off as soon as possible? How can I? And then before I knew it, I paid off all my credit cards. My credit score is now 790. It's almost at 800. Like Barry and I have a race on who can get to 800 the fastest, right? Like now it's like, you know, I have a paid off car. I'm thinking about buying a Benz cash for me. I would want to get a car cash like that's now my experience with it all while having debt it's interesting because I decided this year to stop coaching on debt inside six-figure saver entirely oh you are it's a explicit rule in the onboarding I will not coach you on your debt or investing I'll coach you if you feel like the debt is getting in the way of your savings and it's like a mindset thing, but I will not coach you on any debt strategy. Why? If you had $100,000, would you be crying to me about this? No. So let's focus on that. And it's incredible how much like people freak out a little bit by that. They're like, but Gina, you're a money coach and the interest and like, but I need to pay it off. And they have to go through the journey you went through to be like, oh, I can save $100,000 and have debt. And it's so funny because all of a sudden, some clients are coming to me, I paid off a $4,000 credit card. And I'm like, oh, okay, good for you. Like, it's like a drama-free thing now. And they've decided that they wanted to do that. I didn't have to like coach them to do that because paying off debt is the same as saving. You're just putting money into an account somewhere. <laughs> whether you're paying off the account or putting it into an account that's yours, the mechanics are the same. And it is so funny. It is so funny. Like how it's almost like they can't believe I'm giving them the permission to pay their minimums. Like just pay your minimums. I'm not going to shame you. We can even do the calculation. It might just be like 60 bucks a month of interest. And then it's funny because you're here and I have had clients here. Then my clients save the hundred K and then we sit down and we have a conversation because my perspective is you don't have to keep a hundred K saving a hundred K is an identity and a process goal, not a having goal for everyone. Some people actually should keep a hundred K, but most people shouldn't. I had a client 
<laughs> she goes, okay, Gina, I'm ready to start retirement. And I go, okay, but don't you have credit card debt? And she said, yeah. And I'm like, okay, how much do you have? 12,000. And I'm like, okay, open it right now and pay it off. And her face, she was like, what? Cause she did all the work you did to really neutralize debt and be okay with it. And it's not stopping me and I'm fine. And then we paid it off in one click and the amount of mindset coaching we had to do on her paying off her debt, like her desire to not want to do that step. It's so funny. And I'm sitting here laughing because DL gave me so much trouble <laughs> in our coaching around paying off her student debt. And I'm like, it's so funny, but I actually think it's such an important journey. Like, can you be okay with it? And then just make it a strategic decision versus an emotional decision. Cause a lot of people are trying to pay off debt to feel better. I'm saying like, you should just feel better now anyways. And then we can pay off debt when it makes financial sense. I literally, I'm sitting here thinking like, I've never celebrated paying off debt because there's no need. It doesn't provide something, right? I'm not like, you know, we see like the YouTube videos or the the debt-free screams on Dave Ramsey, right? Like, ah, like it's just like this big celebration. And they say, I finally feel free. I'm like, no, the freedom actually was having the debt, having the credit card debt, paying the minimums and not it not shaming me and not having a big deal or like me joking about it when I'm out with my friends or like my husband making a comment about them be like, Negro, get out of my, get out of my face. Right. Like that's the freedom, not the debt free scream, not the celebration, not the emotional YouTube video. It's like, this doesn't bother me. And I'm and it's still here. That's where the actual freedom is. And it's like not celebrating the debt payoff. It's interesting too, because like, oh, my debt is keeping me from freedom. You could always declare bankruptcy. You could always do that. That's an option available to you. I will say not for student loans because that's, but for credit card debt, for anything, you could always declare bankruptcy. So if it really were that you feel not free because of your debt, then why don't you just declare bankruptcy? Oh, well, because da, 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 da. Okay. So you're choosing to keep the debt and just own that. It's okay. You can still be a seven figure coach with debt. What? That's okay. That's a possibility. <laughs> and like looking back on this, like, I'm so glad I didn't rush to pay off stuff. Or I remember like when I was side hustling being like, okay, I'm only going to quit my job if everything is paid off. Right. Like I remember thinking that and I just laugh. I'm like, that mindset was the thing that was keeping me in bondage. Right. Like that was the thing that was like holding me back. I'm living my best life with my student loans, right? Like it never, I don't think I would be where I am if I hyper-focused on paying all those things off. You know, it's really funny too, because you said earlier that you had built this identity of someone who just has debt and being okay with that. I have had over six figures of debt for multiple years now. And I forget that I have it. Like I literally do not have an identity as someone who has debt. I'm like, oh, I'm debt free. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm literally not. <laughs> and it just goes to show like, yeah, like, guess what, you guys, you get to choose how you think about it. The same circumstance, you get to choose how you think about it and what makes sense for you in that, what's going to help you in that moment. As hard as it is to sometimes to believe that you can change the way you think, you literally can. Okay. So then let's end on relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, la, la. Let's, end on, let's end on relationships because like I can 100% see my clients saying like, okay, I can think this way, but it bothers my partner, but my parents, da, 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 right? Like, what would you say to that, Gina? First of all, I would say, are you sure? Are you sure? Have you explicitly heard them say that that would bother them? That's such a good question, <laughs> right? Like we make so many assumptions that broke my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? So good. 
so we good. make so many assumptions about and not just with money like but in relationships in general we make these kinds of assumptions so so first of all like have a conversation with your loved one and then it like let, let's go there let's say that you investing in a $20,000 mastermind would really bother your your partner your spouse whoever and they're deeply uncomfortable with it now you have some information first of all we are all responsible for our own feelings, right? And we are in partnership with other people. So where do you go from there? It's just a decision. Am I comfortable putting my partner in a position to feel that way? Can I talk to them and help them see why it's important to me? Can we come up with a compromise? Can I go out and earn the money and pay for it in cash? Like having open and honest conversations, it sounds so cliche, but it really is like the thing. And I would say also um, going way back, we talked about priorities. Have you had with the you know important people in your life, have you had conversations about your financial priorities? Because you will have your own financial priorities. Your partner will have their own financial priorities and then you will have shared priorities. And is that explicit? So many times it's not explicit. There's just, we're just all kind of going along. And, and then that can create tension. If you didn't realize, oh, my partner had a goal to buy a sports car and I don't feel comfortable with them buying a sports car. It's because you never even talked about it before. So it's coming out of the blue for you, but they've been thinking about it since they were 17. So having like, even before it becomes a problem, just having conversations like, and this can be a fun conversation. Hey, this is what I have my clients do. I sit, they sit down with their partner, they each get their own notebook and they write three lists. What do I want to buy in my life? What do I want to do experiences? And who do I want to be? Those three things. And then you compare notes and you create a shared list and you create a separate list. I love that. This is what I tell my clients. The exact opposite of what you're saying. I'm like, don't say anything. Here's the, here's the parentheses. When I was starting my business, Barry was very skeptical and I started out in network marketing. So forget about it. He was like, oh, you're doing this weird thing. You're calling all our friends and family, trying to sell them, sell them beach body, right? Like, no. Right. So I learned very on early on. And I think like this conversation for, for, it's a little different. Like you're talking about like, how do you manage a partner's finances together? Right. Where I'm talking about like, how do you as an entrepreneur deal with your finances in a relationship? So our converse, like the, the context is a little different. Yeah. And I would have an updated answer for that too. I want to hear, I want you to, I want you to critique the one that I'm about to give. Cause it's, yeah. it's a little out there, okay. but like, I, like I learned very early on. Oh, if his opinions are near me, around me, right? Like if Barry is giving me an opinion, I'm more likely to believe it because he's my partner, right? And I was like, so if I don't give him anything to believe, he's not going to believe anything. And then it's just, I can focus on my own belief, right? Some things that I see my clients do, especially inside of freedom, where they're starting to make a little bit of money and their partner's starting to get a little curious, like, okay, so this isn't just like a, you know, a, a something cute that you're actually making money. They start, they want to start to have like, conversations about it and they want to include it in their budget. I'm like, no, 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 too soon because you're still wobbly in your own belief. Okay. I have thoughts. Tell me. I don't, not out of spite or out of like secrecy. I don't clue in my partner to my business decisions. Right. Yes. I'm, yes. I'm the CEO. And part of that too Let's let's talk about strategy. I have separate business bank accounts and I'm the CEO and I manage those businesses' bank accounts. Now, at the beginning, I did clue him in when I was investing our savings into me and my development. That was a conversation I need. I'm not just gonna pull $3,000 out of our joint bank account without telling him, right? And every every couple will have their own thresholds, but but now my business runs it, has its own, it's its own entity and I make decisions and I I don't ask. If he asks, I'll tell him, but it's, I'm the CEO. Now, 
here's what has helped actually clean this up a lot as well. And I talk about you, you all know, I talk about this. I pay myself a regular salary from my business. So I deposit $7,000 a month into our joint bank account. And then we make those, you know, partner decisions together with our salaries and our joint checking. And so it's not like I'm withholding money from us as a couple. No, I'm really intentional. And I'm actually like the best paid employee in my business, right? I'm really intentional about paying myself a living wage that my partner also feels comfortable with, especially after I quit my job. And then everything else is my decision as the CEO. But I actually think that that owner's pay part could be really helpful because yeah, your, your spouse is, or your partner is going to get curious. Oh, you're starting to make money. Like what can we do with that? And having an owner's pay can be a really nice way to be like, this is the part that we can talk about. And I think a part of that conversation is realizing when is your business consistent enough, right? To actually do that. And it might be $500 a month, whatever it is, right? It's not, it doesn't have to be, you know, $7,000, like what Gina is saying. But I think like, if you are still rocky in your own belief and how your own income fluctuates, if you're still rocky with that, I wouldn't put a more rocky person next to you, AKA nine times out of 10, your husband to complicate matters, right? I always see my clients that stress out the most when it comes to their partner having thoughts about their business and their partner having thoughts about their money is when they disclosed everything to them right out of the gate. And I was like, you were still shaky in your own belief. And then you just add their extreme shakiness. And now both of you all are shaky, but it's still on you because this is still your business. So you just took on their shakiness with you. And so I was talking inside of um, freedom about this, like, it's not that you're being secret, right? You're being protective. That's how I thought about it. It's like, you're not being secret. It's like, whenever Barry would ask me, like, oh, how'd you do? I didn't lie, but I was being protective over my own belief and over my own mindset. And I find that this happens a lot with my clients where they're trying to borrow their partner's belief because they don't have it. So then they disclose every little thing. Oh, I'm thinking about making this investment decision because oh, they want to be think? cheered on. They want to be cheered on, right? They're like, Oh, look at this coach. What do you think about her? And then they're like, wait, this is the third coach you've showed me. You've bought all of this or you were just posting on Instagram. Now you're talking about starting a Facebook group. This is really inconsistent. You opened up that floodgate, right? Versus all Barry knew was I was in my little office playing on Instagram. And then one day I was like, hey, honey, I saved up a year's worth of my salary at Duke. I'm ready to quit. He was like, oh, you saved up a year. I showed him the bank account on my phone. He was like, have at it. And then like, I went back into the office. He went back to work. And that was our like DL's quitting her job because it was, I came ready. Like I came confident, clear. I knew everything. All of his concerns would be, I addressed them by saving up for a whole year and we were done. And so like the more certain you, like you have to protect your certainty and you have to protect your confidence right? When it comes to your business and when it comes to your money. Yeah. That makes so much sense. I feel like I had a thought and then it fluttered away about like the con. Oh, my thought was you guys coaching industry. We talk about insane numbers to the average American. <laughs> we talk about crazy numbers and like for a second, put yourself in somebody else's shoes who's looking at these numbers being like, whoa, that's a whole salary. Like we pay, like, it's just, like, let's just, let's just have a little compassion for the fact that we talk about really big numbers and that's super exciting and cool, but also like, think about your delivery and think about your audience for a second and how they may receive that and how you may be putting them in a like up against a corner. So yeah, I think that there's like also a little bit of like, yeah, we talk about investing a lot of money. And honestly, I mean, as an, when I was in my nine to five, I would have never considered coaching or like spending over a thousand dollars on coaching. That's crazy, right? That's more than my rent. That's like the, the frame of reference people have. Oh, that's more than a car note. That's more than my rent. And that's insane. So also like, having a little compassion for the fact that we talk about really big numbers. 
all the time, right? All the time. And I think it's also, I had a thought that I lost it too. I think it's also like several, several things, but really like where are we just protecting our businesses? Oh, this was another thing. I never complain about my business to my husband. I will say like, oh, this happened and I didn't really like it. And this is what I want to do, or this is my solution to it. Or I talked to my coach about it, or talked to my friends, and this is what I'm thinking. So I will vent, but I'm never painting. Again, I'm protecting my business. I'm never painting my business in a negative light. Not because, again, I'm trying to be secretive, but I am building, even at my level, I am building my belief in my business. And I want to be certain and strong in my business. And I know because my husband cares about me, right? If he sees that I'm upset, he's going to be like, well, maybe you shouldn't do this. Maybe you should get another job. Do you want me to work more? Should I, he's a therapist. Should I take on more client? Like that's where his brain will go just out of protection. Right. And so, and it's fine that his brain does that. It's just not helpful for me. Right. So I'm not even going to paint my business in a negative light. This also goes for investments. I will never, you will never hear me say, I've never told him in the five, six years that I've been doing this, I have never told him, oh my gosh, I wasted my money on X. That's all they need to hear. And then it's over. Like, don't ever spend your money ever again on that. Like, how, like, your, your partner only has negative thoughts about you and your business because you told them because you framed it that way. Nine times out of 10. Go ahead. This reminds me of one of the best pieces of marriage advice I got on my wedding day, which was when you're fighting with your spouse about any argument, never go to somebody else in the family and vent about it. Because what's going to happen is let's say you go to your mom, mom, my husband's doing this, da, 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 da. and then you're explaining, you know, how you feel frustrated. Then you leave, you go make up with your husband and you guys figure it out, but your mom never was part of the making up. So she's over here. Like my daughter's husband is awful and da, 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 da. And what's go- And that's the same. Imagine if in this scenario, you and your business are in partnership and your husband or your spouse is the mother. If you only go and vent to them, but then you go fix the thing with your business. They never know. And so, yeah, they're only receiving negative messages. What kind of impression is that going to create? It's, I mean, yeah, you just kind of have to see it from their point of view, right? They're not seeing all the good. It's a really good point. It's it. I think like, because Barry, my husband, he grew up below the poverty line. Like I always, to give a frame of reference, I always say that the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill paid him to go to school there. Like he got a refund. They paid him to go to school there. Like as me with all my student loans, I'm like, how you were that poor, the government paid for you to be in school, right? Like, so his like money mindset is like drastically different than mine. And this is how we've been able to stay married. Like I protect my business, right? I really do protect my business. And I also feel like I'm protecting him. Because it's not that he can't be on the roller coaster, the income, business, money, finance roller coaster with me. It's just not the best thing for us, right? And so whenever I say this, people are like, oh, I don't want to hide anything from my spouse. There have been several meetings where he sits right here with me and we're the CFO and we're talking. He's looped in on all the emails because like our finances are joint. And so like he sends Yahi like our, you know, the stuff for the home office deduction, like nothing is secretive, but he's not like, or, or like when I get a project or a contractor, like, oh, I didn't like this project. I wasted $2,000 and I like this project. He'd like never hire them again. Da-da-da-da. Like that's going to be his response. I don't need that energy. And we I don't need the energy. You really don't. And also trust yourself to know the line, right? You know, the line and you know, when you've crossed it, yes, let's be honest. Yes. I've had clients who felt like they crossed the line and they had to come clean and it was a big thing and they got over it. But yeah, like trust yourself that you will know when it actually is coming out of wanting to be secret versus coming out of, no, I just, I want to protect the business and I don't need to loop in my spouse and 
put them on the roller coaster with me. So good. And what helps me sleep at night is they probably have things too, right? Like, <laughs> right. They have things that oh, yeah. they just talk to the boys about or whatever, right? Like I'm sure they have things too. We're humans, right? But 98% of our marriage is as transparent as a dryer sheet, right? That's always what I say. Like that's, so like, put all of this into context, 100%. Oh my gosh. We've talked about so many things. This is a money course. This is a whole masterclass. Not like a, haha, what masterclass? Like a whole, listen to yeah. this four times. Yeah. I may have to go back and listen to this four times. I'm going to put it into two episodes just so it's so digestible. Like, I think I have to put it into two episodes too. Cause we went like, we just can't stop talking. Money yeah. is so interesting. Yes, there's a lot to focus mm -hmm. on, but hopefully our conversation just allows you all a different way. Like when I was side hustling, like I love listening to like conversations of people where I wanted to be talk about money and give me another thought to think other than right. the thoughts I had. And yeah. so we, we provided a whole course for you all on so many topics. <laughs> this has been such a pleasure. Thank you, Dale. Of course. Where can people find you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Gina Knox, G-I-N-A-K-N-O-X, or online at www.ginanox.co. No M. Um, yeah. Those are the two best places to find me. What about you? You can go to DL Sharon on Instagram and you could go to dlsharon.com and I have a podcast called the Black Thing to Booked Up Podcast and you have a podcast called Save Six Figures with Gina Knox. Save Six Figures with Gina Knox. Amazing. We'll link all this in the show notes too for you guys. Yes, we'll link it all. All right, have a great afternoon, everyone.